Welcome to Confessions of a Terrible Leader, where real leaders share the raw truth about the lessons they learned the hard way so you don't have to. Join our host, Lacey Nelson, founder of Transcend Leadership Collective and former terrible leader. Every leader can become worthy of being followed if they are willing to put in the work. On this podcast, we share the messy stories and behind-the-scenes reality of what the work actually entails. We welcome you to this community of revolutionary leaders who believe honest communication, healthy conflict, and building cultures of acceptance, respect, and trust are not only possible, but non-negotiable for cultivating world-class teams. Hello and welcome back. Welcome to Confessions of a Terrible Leader. I'm your host, Lacey Nelson, former terrible leader. And today we have a guest who talks about the world, not the world, probably America's most touchiest subjects to talk about in any context, yet he manages to pull it off, more than pull it off, with uh, professionalism, with sincerity, with authenticity. I'm going to let him tell you all about what his project is, what he is the creator of. He is the creator of the New Evangelicals. Welcome, Tim Whitaker. What the heck is the New Evangelicals for our listeners? (laughs) Hello, Lacey. Thank you for having me on. The New Evangelicals is a nonprofit organization. We do three things. We hold space for people who have experienced hurt in the evangelical church. We advocate for accountability in evangelical spaces like conservative church spaces. And we help people explore the Christian tradition beyond uh, maybe their original uh, faith of origin, so to speak. So that's what we do. We're a digital first organization. So a lot of content on Instagram and TikTok, a private Facebook community. We do a podcast, website, etc. So that's what we do. Okay. You know, just a little, just a few things going on over there. <laughs> just a few things. <laughs> now you have, when did you establish? I, I feel like it was, and, and for the listeners, I've, I have personally listened to this pot, his podcast since the very first episode. And I want to say it was like 2020. Was it 2020 or 2019? It was actually 2022 when the podcast launched in March, if you can believe that. I have um, no time frame reference anymore. Honestly, yeah, exploded me fast. either. We did grow very quickly. I started the account on Instagram first. There was nothing else. It was just me and an Instagram account asking the questions, just kind of in that, um, for maybe your audience who knows about it, this this, this space called Deconstruction or Exvangelical mm-hmm. uh, online space. And then we just grew quickly and I started the podcast in March. I was podcasting before that in a very uh, small way with two other friends uh, for a few hundred people. Um, but then I said, you know, I really want to go off on my own and do my own thing and kind of be able to interview whoever I want and have those conversations. So yeah, we started in March of 2022 and, uh, you know, it's been really amazing. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Um, so our listeners can have some idea of the scope of the amount of people you're talking to and why that's relevant. Um, is this is a podcast all about leadership and leadership happens in a lot of ways. And we have in, we, we influence people in a lot of ways. How many people are, I say you, cause you're the face of the company, but we know there's a team behind you working with you. How many between all of your platforms, like what is your range of influence? How many people are listening to what you have to say on a regular basis? 
it's it's a weird thing to answer, but last year we reached about 20 million people was our guess. Uh, yeah. Between our Instagram engagement, TikTok, um, our podcast did close to a million downloads last year. Uh, so it's um, it's something, you know. I mean, it's it's hard to think about sometimes. And you know, that number twenty million doesn't mean that that they're all engaged people, right? They could be right. someone who just saw a couple seconds of a video. It could be someone who listens to hours of your podcast since the beginning, right? Like, yeah. like yourself. Yeah. Um, but I, I would say we probably have reached several hundred thousand people who are engaged with our content consistently. Um, I estimate I've answered about 15,000 DMs uh, since, you know, maybe 2022. We, we get between 50 to 100, perhaps on, on, on a medium day, over 200 on a very busy day. So it adds up very quickly. And we do respond yeah. to every single DM that we can. Wow. Wow. Uh, that's exactly how I reached out to you. And you were so fast. So. <laughs> well, when you're addicted to social media, you know, speaking of bad leadership, that, that's what happened. So your influence, the influence of the message that you're bringing is massive. And when I introduced you, I said, you know, you talk about the two things that are the things we're all told we're not supposed to talk about, religion and politics. I mean, that is a big piece of of the work that you're doing is trying to untangle that somehow um, through your lens. And one of the things that I admire about your work is your staunch commitment to absolutely refuse to dehumanize people that you do not agree with. People that you are saying are actually like in you're like, there's people doing really harmful things, but you're refusing to dehumanize these people. And you're actually also, you bring guests on that don't, are not in alignment with you onto your podcast. And mm -hmm. you have these great dialogues that really are mutually respectful. And, um, there's no like, conversation after the after it's over where you're then just ripping them apart or can you be like that doesn't happen and it's just amazing to me um can you speak a little bit to that value and how hard is that to like how do you actually do that because that is not the norm how have you fought that um well for me especially in the beginning i thought a lot about what changed me as a human and it wasn't people calling me names. It wasn't being screamed at. It wasn't people online raging at me. It was people who engaged with me and had conversation and were willing to talk to me about issues and ask me questions that eventually changed my mind on a whole host of issues. And so I thought about that and I thought about pragmatically, you know, how do I get what I want out of someone, mm -hmm. right? I mean, meaning how mm -hmm. do I get them to see my point of view and to maybe be changed by that? And I think dehumanization ultimately is a way that it gets in the way of that process. Mm -hmm. um, also, as a Christian, as someone who holds a really high value of humans that were all made in the image of God, I think that once we start to dehumanize people, it puts us on a really ugly path that leads ultimately towards violence. Mm. And for me and for the work that we did and are doing, I didn't want to just come across as like the other side of ugly, right? Um, because right. I 
my background is the conservative Christian world, and it's been so politicized recently with Trump over the past almost decade now, if you can believe it, it's been almost 10 years. Um, and so for me, it was like, well, I don't want to become that just on the more progressive side of something. I don't want to become just as volatile and ugly, and and I don't want to make fun of Trump because that's what he does. It doesn't really accomplish things. So right. when I started TNE, before we, we became a nonprofit or became more organized, I just told myself, like, I don't want to engage in dehumanization. Mm. It can be difficult at times um, when I really want to express my disdain for someone's rhetoric. You know, there are people that we follow who are saying very openly racist things and are saying Mm -hmm. things that are just very detrimental to the witness of the church and of the Christian tradition. Um, And so for those people, I usually have strong language. But what we tell people is that it's one thing to critique ideas, which we should all be doing. We should call some ideas bullshit, but calling people bullshit is where it gets problematic. Yes. Yes. I love that nuance. Is that, what do you do when you have a situation where you have a guest or you're, you're even in a conversation, maybe it's offline and you feel the conversation getting pulled that way? How do you redirect that? I'm asking for all of us that are in the workplace and leading and wanting to set this tone in our teams where we respect everyone. And we, my business, my organization is actually in a very conservative community. I mean, we're maybe, we're maybe a little purple, but, um, and so there are a lot of people that are going into workplaces and we're, we're in an election year. Like, how do we, how do you turn that conversation? What tips do you have when it starts to get into that territory? Whether you're doing it in like camaraderie with someone, someone's doing it, you know, talking with, speaking with you in in camaraderie, or you're hearing it, which are two probably different nervous system responses when those happen. When you're hearing it about someone that you actually respect or are and are in alignment with. Yeah, I want to preface what I'm going to say with you have to use wisdom and discernment. It depends on the context. But on average, I have um, changed my mindset to approaching people with curiosity. This was taught to me by my my friend Joe Lumen, um, really big influence in the beginning of my renegotiation of faith and just what it meant as as this work took off and I was gaining more of an influence. It's like, okay, I have to really be careful with, with how I approach this stuff. Because I think deep down, naturally, I am a very like, or I can be very argumentative and I, I want to win and I just mm-hmm. want to destroy you know this person with, with a better argument. But again, like pragmatically, is that changing the conversation? Is that changing that person? Probably not. And so approaching people with curiosity has been a real game changer, you know, well, and asking a lot of questions. Well, why do you think that? Well, have you ever seen this before? And I got to tell you, I've talked to some people who, online are pretty problematic. I mean, they're saying things are just like incredibly homophobic or whatever. And I've talked to them in person. I've met them in person. And when I get to the bar with them and we're sharing a drink or something and and I've lowered their defenses because they know I'm a good faith actor, I'm just curious. We're actually able to have some real conversations and find some common ground. Now that's different than someone just saying an openly racist thing or openly you know, vile thing towards another coworker or something like that. Obviously, you have to be able to draw those boundaries and be able to say, hey, so-and-so, listen, like, 
there are lines here. You just found one. You can't cross that line. And I, and the example I would use is we have a private Facebook community of people who um, are have experienced a lot of abuse and trauma in the church. And the, the group is open to anyone, but we do prioritize the voices of those marginalized people. So if someone comes in and is like really combative and really like um, just saying things that might be triggering, we'll tell them, hey, you're, you just found a boundary. Now you have two options. You know, you can either respect what this person's saying and learn from them, or we're going to have to remove you from the group. So there definitely are moments where we have to draw some boundaries and say, no, that's not okay. But when it comes to one-on-one conversation, approaching with curiosity has always been my go-to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That is uh, one of the things that we actually teach is how to stay curious. How do you recognize in yourself when you've dropped out of that space to be able to be curious? Like, how do you know, even before you open your mouth, like, oh man, I'm in dangerous territory right now. I got to get it together. Yeah, there are definitely times, especially in my DMs, every now and then I'll get someone who just wants to argue forever. Mm -hmm. And I'll hear my tone of voice kind of ramp up. I'll get like a little more combative. I'll get a little more sarcastic. And that's when I kind of know I'm I'm starting in some kind of territory that maybe I don't want to end up in long term. You know, again, there, there's I have some friends who I disagree with and we can be sarcastic to each other and we can banter like that. But that's different because the internal feeling I have isn't one of frustration. It's right. one of like, this is this is just the banter that I have with these people. But when I feel myself getting frustrated or feel, feeling like, I, like, like I'm not being heard, I hate that. When I feel mm-hmm. like I'm not, like I, I'm saying the same thing over and over and they're giving me the same answer. I'm like, you're not hearing me. That, yeah. That's when I'm like, you know what? I think I have to just take, I can respond to this person in a day. Like they're going to be fine. I don't yeah. have to respond right away. And frankly, there are some people I say, hey, listen, we're not going to see it the same way. I don't have time or energy to argue in circles about this. Mm-hmm. I get it. You're convinced of your position. You're not really here to learn. And honestly, I'm convinced of my position I, because I used to believe what you believe, but I've changed. Right. So I, let's just you know shake hands and call it a day and I'll talk to you next time kind of vibe too. So again, wisdom and discernment is key, but those are some of the litmus tests that I use to figure out where I'm at in the conversation. That's great. So helpful. As we uh, learn how to do this in our personal lives and our professional lives, like I think I don't know if we've ever really known how to, you know, I I, I hate to romanticize the past and be like, oh, we used to know how to talk to each other back in the day. <laughs> I don't think we've ever really figured it out. I think we've just had different areas that felt more and less comfortable to talk about. I think learn like approaching with curiosity. I like to think, you know, we're on the arc of just slowly getting better at that and understanding that is actually the path forward over time. And I I would love to know what have been some of the moments that or or the challenges in this journey that you're on. I mean, it really is incredible with which the speed, right, that this has taken off. Like I can't you went from a few hundred people to, you know, 20 million impressions or 20 million people in a space of what 2022 so 2 years, two and a half years. So yeah. your learning curve I'm sure has been just incredible and at times painful, like incredibly steep to figure out how do I hold these conversations? How do I create these spaces where this can happen? And how do I lead in a way with the presence required to keep it on track? I want to hear about what 
mistakes have you made along the way in your journey? And you can even go back further. But as a leader, like anytime you've been wearing the mantle of leadership, so anyone who's looked to you is like, I want to be like that guy or I take direction from that guy. When you've been on this trajectory of change in your life, like what are the things that you look back on or an instance you look back on and you're like, man, I really screwed that up and I would not do that the same ever again. I have a complicated relationship with the word leader. Mm, and I have a complicated it. relationship with how I see myself as a leader. Okay. Um, I went to a very small private Christian school. I was one of six in my graduating class. That's how small yeah. it was. Yeah. But this school was really big on leadership. And my, my principal, who actually I still talk to to this day, she's a huge influence in my life. She would tell me as a high schooler, you're a leader. People look up mm. to you. Like, I just was like, why? Like, no, no, I, I, I don't care. I, I don't care. Um, I'm going to do what I want. And also I think that deep down many people and I'm one of them are just insecure about like how they're perceived as a leader. Like I, like if you only knew what's inside my head, you wouldn't want to follow what's going on inside of this, you know? Um, and so it's tough because I have this complex where I don't like prideful people. I don't Mm -hmm. like people who come across as gloating. Mm -hmm. I don't like people who assume labels. And Mm -hmm. so I don't want to ever assume those labels. Mm -hmm. Right. Like like even even when you asked me earlier before we started recording, how should I introduce you? Certainly not the leader of this thing. How about the creator of this thing? You know, like it's 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 an intentional choice. Yeah. Um, I don't like being the leader of this thing. Mm -hmm. Um I tried in the very beginning to make this as wide as possible regarding, you know ownership of the work that we're doing. Even right. my early volunteers, I was like, listen, I don't want to, if I ever come across as to whatever, like, just let me know you have full permission to say no to me. Like, I just try to draw those things. And I don't know, like maybe there's that, maybe it's an overcorrection, right. For just mm-hmm. being so f- afraid of mm-hmm. the power you have as a leader to mm-hmm. really do a lot of damage to people. Because again, like, don't forget in the world I am in, I hear about the damage that leaders do all the time. Right. 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 So I'm always I, I'm hearing-, hearing all these like uh, connections you're making to the word leader that you are saying are like, this is antithetical of leadership. And I'm going, no, it's actually, <laughs> that's actually exactly what a great leader does is you give your power away. Yeah, uh, great. Well, then I guess I'm a leader. <laughs> but but I say all that because, um, I don't know, like, um, I made a, I mean, I made a lot of mistakes, especially when I was in my, like, early 20s and mid-20s, not realizing the influence I had over people, not realizing the impact of my words. I was, I'm a very naturally sarcastic person. I live in the Northeast. Sarcasm mm-hmm. is like a love language for me. And the more yeah. brutal you can be, the better. Yeah. But I've learned that that's not how everyone else is. And my yeah. words cut some people, like no doubt about it. And they, they told me they were good friends of mine. Mm-hmm. And I had to really work through it and say, hey, I'm so sorry, et cetera. So that was a big moment for me. And um, when I started TNE, I told myself, like, I just don't want to ever become this narcissistic type A, rah, 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 asshole leader that yeah. like one day there's a documentary about because yeah. you were you were putting projects over people. So that's yeah. what we say internally is we say it's people over projects, you know, like yeah. people are more important, especially when you're working with volunteers. In the beginning, we didn't have I mean, we still don't. We're a very small organization in terms of funding. We have no one on staff besides me, and, and we pay a few contractors. Um, but like in the beginning, it was all volunteer. So right. I was so timid 
like mm-hmm. with with okay um how many hours do you feel comfortable volunteering? I don't want to overwork you. I don't want you to feel like, like I'm exploiting your labor. And I had to learn that people who are offering to volunteer want to give their time. And actually, mm-hmm. a lot of them want direction. They want you to give them a boundary instead of them giving you their boundary. And then what you can say is, well, if this boundary is too far, let me know. We can always readjust. But how about we start here? So that yep. was like a big learn for me. And the last one I'll say was I'm a very impatient person. I'm mm-hmm. a, I am type A in a lot of ways. I live in New Jersey. Everything is mm-hmm. fast up here. Um, I'm a very fast person in general, just with how I think, how I even talk sometimes. I'm working on that, et cetera. Um, and so working with people, especially remote and like needing projects done or needing to over communicate things that were yeah. in the beginning. And there still are sometimes where I'm just internally on like, oh my God, this is so annoying. Like, why is the Zoom link not the right link? Why can't you log into this stupid thing? Um, this deadline was due last week. I haven't heard from you in three days. Like, what the hell, right? Yeah. So I, I have so far been very good at, at, at managing that internal frustration mm-hmm. and remembering people over projects. It's okay to go slow for going together. Yeah. But there have definitely been a few times where I've had to have some conversations with people on my team and be like, hey, you know, um, here's how I felt when you did this. But also, I'm sure that you feel a certain way about me. So let's have that really open communication. Because we're only going to, if we're going to work together, we have to work through conflict. There's one person on my team. Her name's Adele. She won't mind me telling this story because we work very closely together. She is a a huge part of the work that we do on like a branding level and thinking about strategy. And we, in the beginning, especially had some real moments of like just misreading each other and misreading text messages and um, just getting on a Zoom call and being able to say, I'm frustrated with you. And she's like, I'm frustrated with you. I'm like, okay, let's just talk about it. So definitely I've had a lot of those moments for sure. But we have thought about, I have put in some best practices. Like we don't text a whole lot anymore. Now it's audio messages, especially if it's something that's kind of like tense, right? If there's a disagreement, I'm like, I don't want to text you a novel. I'm going to send you an audio message or I'm going to call you or I'm going to say, okay, let's get on a Zoom call and then we, we can talk about it then. That tends to minimize a lot of what could become a yeah. very serious situation. Yes, yes. And I also am hearing like the value and the importance and the power of maintaining like connection, real connection with the people that you're working with because it is through that connection and knowing like, oh, we're going to be okay on the other side of this. We just have to work this out and feeling like you've got that. You're not going to create an enemy or create someone, you know, that sounds pretty dramatic, but you're not going to have this conversation and then have your relationship completely disintegrate and then they leave. And that's right. Yeah. And I've had to learn vulnerability, you know, um, well, this just goes into who I am, but in the beginning of the work online, I told myself, I I have one of two options. I either create this version of me that's like for public consumption, that's different right. than who I am behind the scenes, or I'm just me all the way through. Yeah. All the way. And that's a much easier thing to maintain. I don't have to pretend I'm not acting. So, yes. but part of that, the downside is that you have to be honest with people about your own insecurities and your own yeah. doubts and your own fears, and you have to be vulnerable. And that's not always easy. And it's not always easy for me either, especially online. Um, but part of that was with my team, like having the, again, going back to Adele, going back, having those conversations of like, well, Adele, I'm feeling insecure here because I feel like if we have friction, you're going to leave 
and then you're going to feel like maybe I exploited your your time, uh, you know, and then it's going to become this big thing. I had to be yeah. able to explain that to her. And she's like, yeah. oh, I'm not thinking that at all. Here's why I was concerned. It's, oh, okay. But I had to get vulnerable and, and confess, like, yes. I'm scared that, like, if this thing happens, we're going to lose a really good thing here. We're going to lose a friendship. Yes. And listen, I tell you this as someone who... I have no formal training in nonprofit work. I I have some college under my belt. Like I'm not I'm not designed. Uh, it was not a career choice to start doing the the world the work of a nonprofit. Okay, it just kind of right. happened. So I've had to learn a lot on the fly, and because of that, there were with Adele in particular. She is she is the former branding director for Make a Wish Foundation. Oh, the whole thing. A little experience. Just, just a little. Just, All right. I mean, she's a badass. She yeah. kills it. <laughs> and she hunted me down in the beginning. Yep. And was like, I want to help you out. I want to volunteer with you. Okay. I, I didn't know who she was. Okay. <laughs> then we started talking. And long story short, we got to a point where we're working together pretty often. I flew out to, to Arizona where she lives to work with her. And we had to have like some really scary conversations of like, well, Adele, like you're helping us out so much, but I'm feeling like, you know, we're kind of in the territory of needing to pay you, but we also don't have the money right now. And I know that, and I know right. that, that, that you need money to make a living. And like, I'm struggling with the tension of that. But if I held that in and just ignored that and, it, and then just kept on using her labor without having that conversation, what if she did feel like I was, I was exploiting her labor? Right. And right. let's say like, like, let's say she gets so frustrated, she blows the whole thing up online. It's like, you know what? This company organization, they exploited my labor. Well, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh my, oh my God, I didn't even know you were feeling that way, right? Yeah. But all because mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't be vulnerable and have the conversation of expressing my fears and getting it out there. And now here we are, you know, two years later, a year and a half later, and we're actually able to pay her something as a contractor. And we're able to work together now. But those moments for me really shaped me as a quote unquote leader, which again, I hate that title. I. <laughs> I am. I'm enjoying how much you're hating the title. Hate yet it. At the same time, how much you're exhibiting exactly what the qualities are that we talk about leaders that are worthy of being followed. Um, and that is a big, big piece of, of the work that we do, like is we want to create leaders, not create, we don't make them. Leaders have to commit to the process and be willing to go through it. We just equip and empower them to know how to actually do it. And with the crux of you have to be worthy of being followed. You don't get to become a leader just because you have a title. Yeah. You you have to actually turn around and have people that want to follow you behind you in order to be a leader. Um, yeah. And it is a tension for a lot of people, that title. It's uncomfortable. And you've done, you know, a yeah. good job of articulating why, because it is a, I think it, it's kind of the same tension, not the same, but similar to like, do I want to call myself a Christian? There's a whole lot of baggage attached to that in yeah. whatever setting I'm in. There's going to be assumptions that come along with that. And yeah, I don't want to go through that, that pain of being misunderstood or like one of the, one of like speaking to vulnerability one of the biggest things that that in a lot of leaders' journeys, including my own, not this interview's about you, not me, but it, I hear the parallel here, um, is that frustration and that fear of I don't want to lose. This is going to sound, I don't even know a, a gentle way to put it. I'm just going to say it. I, I'm going to be vulnerable. I don't want to lose control essentially of how someone perceives me 
mm. by giving them a title that I know to call me that I know comes with so much baggage and yep. misunderstanding and examples of it done terribly um, and, and completely out of alignment with my values. But that's their understanding of it. Yeah. And it for me, it, I know because I've done this inner work and it's been hard and painful. It has come, it comes down to like my fear of one, vulnerability, and two, the fear of like losing control of the perception. I don't yeah. want to do that. Totally. And part of what's like tangled up in that and is so messy and complicated is that I, like you, have made this commitment of like, I was about 35, I want to say. I'll be 45 next month. And I was about 35 when I made the decision in my life, I'm going to be authentically me. And this was part of my faith journey, part of my professional journey. I'm going to be authentically me in every setting that I'm in. There's not going to be two versions of me or four or whatever, you know, you are going to get me. I might turn the volume up or turn the volume down, but it's going to be me consistently. You're not going to hear contradiction in my core values. Someone that, uh, someone who's like, you're not going to have to question, is she, oh, I didn't know she was open and affirming. Like, <laughs> you're going to know that across any setting that you find me in. Yeah. Um, organically, should it come up, right? Like, that making that commitment, like, felt really scary at that point in time because I knew it was going to come at a cost and it did. Um, but it also felt really liberating and at the same time it the vulnerability in it of like okay if i'm really going to be out here like i don't want to be misunderstood yeah and i think that's what i'm hearing and i mean am i on track like are you resonating with that yeah i think so um i don't like being misunderstood uh, especially from internally right i mean mm -hmm. i've learned i've grown some thick skin people are going to think whatever they think about me publicly and right. that's fine right. Right. Um, and also, like, you know, there are times where I look back on content, and I'm like, ooh, did I portray the best version of myself here? Did I come across to this or to that? And so, yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it um, for sure. And um, I don't know. I, I, I Maybe I don't – it's so hard to know how normal or how not normal something is based on other people's experience. I guess it's all relative. But I am just someone who is like, I would rather people tell me you're a leader than me tell them I'm a leader. Yeah. It's one of the reasons yeah. why I don't use the 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 phrase publicly, oh, I'm a queer ally. No, no, no. Mm. That title is given to you. Like people mm -hmm. tell you that, you don't just assume it. You, you have don't to earn just it. You, yeah, you, and, and and again, like some people can claim it, I guess, but like I'd rather my friends in that community tell me, no, Tim's an ally, than me saying, guys, I'm an ally. Do you see the difference? Right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and I think when it comes to leadership, I would rather my team tell me like no, we want to follow what you're doing, um, et cetera. And I, I think what, what's tricky is, is that a lot of leaders probably have the same visionary kind of mindset. Like, like you see something that no one else sees, you see the path. Now, if you're like me, you need people to help you refine that path. Like I'm not very strategic. My mind goes so wide. I'm like, well, I'm like, I'm almost like the you know squirrel. I'm just like, we can go anywhere. We can go. Oh, There's yeah. so many paths. And also, I'm a professional drummer, so I'm a creative in that way too. And so I understand 
like when you're a drummer and you're making new music, you can do so many different things to express the same idea, but right. what's the best one, right? Right. So, so I think for me, there are just a lot, there were a lot of moments and still are where it's like, I know that I have this visionary thing and I don't want to run people over, but I also need the right people who are willing to hop on board and help me think about this, and help me kind of see it through, right? Yeah. And then from there, it's like, okay, um, how do we manage this? And then what are, what are the roles here? How do I divest power? I'm a big believer in collaboration yes. uh, because again, being in bands, you learn very quickly that if there's one guy who calls all the shots, your music kind of sucks. But if you actually wrestle through the idea, even yeah. the idea that you bring, if yeah. your team can refine it and kind of pick it apart, it ends up being much better than than, than what was ever possible by just you, right? Yeah. Thinking about it yourself. Yeah. I was a um, singer in a band. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, so you get it. You totally get, <laughs> I get it. it. So I think that's kind of my approach to a lot of this stuff is like collaboration almost to a fault. There have been times where I've, I've learned, okay, we don't need 10 cooks in the kitchen, maybe yep. just me and two for the big picture, and then we'll yep. kind of disseminate it down. But yep. I'm still learning that process. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That It is a process and you're learning and you're never done, right? We're never yeah. done. It's like constant refinement. We're never going to quote unquote arrive. Right. It's like the commitment to the journey and the commitment to like getting, doing what I can do to honor people and love people well and collaborate. And um, all of, you know, for us, people over profit is a big value. So people over projects, I love hearing that. People over profit's a big value for us. Are we doing that? And are we doing that internally? Like, are we making sure that we yeah. are honoring each other as a team over a, a deadline? I mean, right. Within with still getting stuff done and still that's, delivering. That's the rub, process. right? Like, mm -hmm. how do you push the? How do you put the right pressure at the right time that motivates people, but that doesn't discourage people, right? And mm -hmm. I think that is like the, the that is the sweet spot. And again, I'm not sure for your audience, but for me, I work remote, right? My one's in Arizona, yeah. someone could be here. I much prefer to have a studio we could just walk into. I feel like it'd be so much more efficient, but that that's not the world we live in, or the world that I live right. in right now. Right. And so I agree. It's like, you know, you still got to get stuff done and we deal on content. So like there's always content I'm thinking about. There's always yes. what's next. What can we do? There's always branding stuff to get done. There's guests to host. There's things to edit. And so you have to get shit done. Like you have yep. to, right? Like part of the reason why people signed up is to get shit done. Right. But then right. also people have their days. They have a sick day. They don't feel yeah. well. They're maybe they're having a mental health day. And so again, that's for me, I've had to learn quickly. Okay. Keep in mind, Tim, people over projects. Like, like if this thing is delayed one day, it's okay. Like no yeah. one's dying. It's not the end of the world. But if you push this person and you and they end up breaking mentally, that could stay with them for the rest of their life. So like what's right. more important, you know, right. ultimately. And then also you, you tend to get a better result anyway, because everyone feels like 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 they're all in on this thing that that they're helping to make possible. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. You are preaching exactly what we go wow. out there and Look teach organizations how to I do. I guess I am leader. <laughs> Look, at that. Look at that. That is exactly what we what we are teaching is how to lead in this way that is so desired, so needed, so counterculture to what a lot of us have been perceived as like, oh, well, that's what a leader is. I don't want to be any part of it. I mean, it's so interesting right now, like to read the articles, people that are, uh, you're a millennial, right? Is that yeah, your- Yeah, I'm 35. 
Okay, so, so many um, people that are millennial and even some of Gen Z, but they're still pretty young in the workforce. Millennials are like, I don't want to manage. I don't want anything to do with leadership. Do not give me the management role because no thank you. It does not pay enough for the headache. And I don't want any part of that. Do you think that's because corporate America has severed the the human relationship from from like the worker and a lot of millennials are like so relationship built like no 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 I don't want to lose my friendship with, with, with like my my coworkers right if it comes down yeah. to me and this person having a great relationship or me being their boss and that being severed screw it I'll take the pay cut like keep me here I'd rather have friends especially post covid and in, in, in a very digital social media driven age I hang on to my friendships closer than ever and oh, if yeah. those friendships are my work friends I don't want to jeopardize that, period. Right, right. I think that's definitely a big part of it. Um, the, I think that, that, that is, that is part of it. I think also part of it is just lack of an understanding of a, that it's a pathway forward to actually be able to do both. So we say like you, you just, you need to have those uncomfortable, hard conversations up front about if you get promoted into leadership you know, in, in a context of like a, a structure, a corporate structure or an organizational structure, and you're going to be supervising people that are your friends. We're not saying stop being friends with them. We're saying you're going to have to have some conversations about boundaries and some conversations about like where work life and, and, um, if you're leading well, if you really are putting in the work and leading well and leading with an attitude of it is, one of the things we always teach is like, it's not, whenever you're approaching a problem, never make the person the problem. They're not the problem. That it is us, it is me and you versus this challenge in front of us. And we're going to collaboratively, collaboratively figure out the way through it. Even if it's, well, let's say you missed a deadline four times on something and I'm like freaking out because now we're way behind on this project and I'm the project manager and I know it's coming down on me. Tim, four times you have missed a deadline. You keep pushing this back. The classic management paradigm that I think a lot of us were uh, have per- you know perceived that it's going to be the way it works is you're in trouble. I'm coming down on you. Shit rolls downhill. You're you know I'm going to throw you under the bus and you're just I'm going to be angry. And if we were friends, it's going to get real personal. We're going to have relational conflict real quick. Right. Whereas. The way that we are approaching the leadership world, which is so counter to how it's been done for a long time before, is teaching the person that now is in the seat, hey, Tim, I got this thing that uh, we got a challenge here. This project's behind and it's me and you. Like, how do we get this back on track? And what I've seen is there's been several times the deadline's been missed. And I want to just upfront own any piece of where I have not had clear communication with you around that, or I've not been op- like, I've not heard when you've tried to tell me that things are not, that you need something I'm not providing. So can we sit down and figure out what the block is here and how we can get this moving forward in like, it's me and you to get this moving forward. Like I need your collaboration on this with me to figure out where the, where were f- things are going off the rails. Yeah. Like that's a much different approach yeah. than get it together. If you have to do this, this is the last time. If you miss a deadline, this is a corrective action. You need to sign this. Right. And if you miss another deadline, you're, you are going to lose your job. 
Well, I feel like that other way also fosters more loyalty. A million percent. Right? Like just much more buy-in to, to what you're trying to do. And um, also, I don't – it's kind of like dating. I've been married for 10 years. I don't want to date anyone again. Like no. if something if something was to go tragically wrong in my marriage – um, I, me and me and my partner have talked about this. Like many, like we, we we have that thought experiment often. We're like, I don't want to date. And my wife, she's like, I would pay to watch you date again because you'd be so awkward. And I'm like, thank you, I appreciate that. But it's the same kind of thing. Like I don't want to. First off, like again, going back to Adele, I love working with Adele. We've gotten mm-hmm. through so much. I don't want to go through all that again with someone else. No. Oh, like, God. I don't want to go through all the conflict and the oh. learning communication styles and putting in that work. I don't want to do that again. And Adele gets what we're doing. In yeah. fact, she's shaped so much of like our of of like our public persona in so many ways. You know, you. she was like, "Hey, uh, you are leading whether you want to lead or not, and I want to help you." She hunted me down for months. For yes. months, and yes. so I don't. First off, Adele is irreplaceable in my opinion, and right. I don't want to find another one. Like right. I have no desire to go through all that again. You so never will find another one, right? exactly. Like, and yeah. so, like I, I would much rather have a solid team that that we've put that work in, and that mm-hmm. we're loyal to each other, and that we've had those hard conversations, than cycle through people like crazy. A million. What a waste of time, resources, money. It's just a waste, and also like. I mean, this is just me, but I like having the club. Like, this is the TNE club. No one needs to, you know, like, we're very protective of who gets in. And if you are, you're part of the club. Internally, of course. You know, like I like that vibe. It's fun. This is my crew. We kick ass. The end. Same. Same. The the Leadership Collective vibe is a vibe, for sure. So, we, uh, yeah. We definitely have a crew, and my team is also uh, a mix of my. We've I've got one person who works in town, and the rest of my team is remote. So, very similar in that. I wish I could just move them all to New Jersey. Like you're just living here, now, you know. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, yeah. Well, you've given us so much time today, and I. This has been such a great conversation. Um, I appreciate talking talking about leadership with other like-minded leaders whether they want whatever title we want to give it right um is is always just so much fun and wrapping it up i want to hear before we end this what would you tell like tim version of you before you right on the cusp of learning to grow a team you could you didn't know where this was going you couldn't have probably even predicted in your wildest dreams where it was going but if you could go back and like hop in a time machine without the paradox rules being broken i'm such a nerd you could you (laughs) what would you say to yourself what would what advice would you give yourself um what would i tell myself hmm I would probably tell myself, like, you don't have to worry as much as you're worrying. Mm. It's going to work out. You're going to be okay. Yeah. And just keep being as genuine as you know how to be. You're going to be fine. I love that. Yeah. That's how I would tell myself. I love that. Is there anything else that you want to impart to our listeners that are on this path of figuring out? Some of our listeners have been leading for 20 20- plus years. Wow. Others are, yeah. 
Others are. I feel like, are, I feel like they should be telling me things. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty years, Jesus. Isn't, we all have strengths and weaknesses, right? Like we all. Not have me. A- I'm the perfect leader. <laughs> not one weakness anywhere. Definitely None. not. Zero None. percent. <laughs> zero percent weaknesses. The yeah, the we're all over the map, and then we also have like you know the person that's aspiring, like oh I want I want to to have a team someday and be making an impact in the world. And I'm listening to this because I want to avoid mistakes. Like I want yeah. the learning without the scars. So yeah, what would you have to say to those people? Uh, you know, to the people who maybe are just starting out or trying to think about that, I would say you're going to make a lot of mistakes and you have to learn how to eat shit. Yeah. Like a good, a good leader knows how to eat the crow and to own it. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion. And I think that radical accountability to yourself and that mm-hmm. radical uh, self-awareness mm-hmm. of how you're perceived, of how your tone of voice is perceived, the language that you use, um, and not being afraid to ask your team, like, am I doing okay? Is there a problem? And making a space that they feel safe to be able to say that without retribution is really important. Oh, I mean, really yes. important. So that's every- how I would say. It's everything. You can't, yeah. you can't get anything done without that, really. 100%. So. Excellent. Oh, thank you so much. Where can people find you? Um, anywhere that is the new evangelicals, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, podcasts, um, Facebook, the website, the new evangelicals.com, anywhere that that name exists is usually us. And do you have anything coming up? Any, I mean, plug away. This is your, what, anything exciting you want to share? I mean, we always have content out like all the time, so it's yeah. hard. To, I'm not sure when this will come out, but um, you know, there's always content. There's always things being pushed out. So just check on one of our, uh, our Instagram or TikTok, and you'll see what's going on. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tim, for your time today. Thank you for sharing with us your your ups and downs and self-doubt and vulnerability and all of it. It's been a great conversation. and. To our audience, I will say, until next time, go manage like a leader. Love it. Thank you. Thanks for being part of this community of revolutionary leaders who believe honest communication, healthy conflict, and building cultures of acceptance, respect, and trust are not only possible, but non-negotiable for cultivating world-class teams. If one-to-one coaching, engaging workshops, or strategic planning that is actually useful are anything that interests you, make sure to head over to www.transcendleadershipcollective.com to check out our free resources. Confessions of a Terrible Leader is hosted by Lacey Nelson and produced by Mary Scott. Music is by Leif Olson and Mary Scott from the band The Number of Months. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And until next time, go manage like a leader.